Seven Demons More Wicked Than Intersectionality, Part 2, Tuesday, May 17, 2022. A man who has the genuine article is far less tempted by a knockoff. So when you find a man buying lies, that is a clear sign to you that he is void of the truth. And this is precisely what happened as American evangelicals went to toying with intersectionality over the last couple years. Something about the intersectional system appealed to them. It was filling a void. But if you fill an empty stomach with rubbish, you're only left with the gut ache. Now it is a good sign when friends come along and point out that you're ingesting rancid garbage. And a good bit of the last year or two has been given to demonstrating the refuse that goes by the name intersectionality. But we still need to know what to eat so that we won't go craving after the next idolatry that is served up. Faux Standard Intersectionality is a fascinating paradigm because it is wrong in ways that highlight the truth. In part one of this post, I made the point that intersectionality is wrong about the standard. It does not attempt to erase the standard. Rather, it sets up one that is contrary to the truth. By so doing, it signals just how much we need a standard, one that covers the whole of life. So intersectionality is right about the extent of a standard while being wrong about the nature of the standard. Evangelicals lacked a universal standard. They were mistaken about the extent of God's standard. So the faulty one that intersectionality sold them was quite appealing. Now, as long as we trivialize and truncate God's law, this play will continue to be run on us. In Seven Demons Part 2 here, I want to exchange three more lies of intersectionality for the truth. Faux justice. Intersectionality offers a lie about justice. This lie is closely related to the bogus standard, but justice concerns the application of the standard. Intersectionality is not satisfied to hold to a theoretical law. It demands justice, and when does it want it? Now. In other words, intersectionality is dead set on formalizing and actualizing its standard. Now, why was this faux justice so tempting to the evangelical taste buds? It deceived many because Christians were dead set on not realizing their standard. Evangelicals have been happy to leave the law on top of Mount Sinai. We claimed to hold to a standard, but that standard stayed up there on the mount where Jesus gave his sermon. My point is not merely that Christians failed to promulgate the law. My point is that the intersectionalists were far more zealous about the implementation of their standard than the saints were about the true standard. They were more earnest in prayer, saying to their false god, Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Many evangelicals have simply given up on seeing the will of the Lord done. They conceive of justice as something that will only be executed at the second coming of Christ. Now, it is manifestly Christian to wait for the final justice of God, which indeed will only come on the last day. But it is also manifestly Christian to seek the appearing of that justice on earth today. And this can only be done by grace through faith in Christ. In other words, if the saints fail to be prophets, priests, and kings on earth, then that vacuum will be filled by false prophets, pagan priests, and tyrants. The saints do not need to adopt the manner in which the intersectionalists seek justice, which is by any means necessary. And such a spirit is a particular temptation even for some conservative Christians. That error leaves the anti-woke operating according to woke maneuvers. But the intersectionalists are right to yearn for the establishment of the standard. Their problem is their false standard and the corrupt manner in which they try to implement it. The evangelicals' problem is that they have ignored the true standard and abandoned its implementation altogether. Faux Corporate Identity Intersectionality strikes out on corporate identity as well, but their whiff 
highlights the evangelical whiff. The intersectionalists claim that your victim status is the essential ingredient, the most excellent thing. That status could entail being black, female, gay, an immigrant, disabled, or non-Christian. And you are welcome to layer these victim statuses, claiming as many as you can get your hands on. That is, unless you are a straight, white, male, American, able-bodied Christian. In that case, you can't have anything. You are the oppressor all the way down the line. Now, we have become familiar with this corporate identity folly. Several right-thinking persons have pointed out how silly this game is. But, to varying degrees, evangelicals fell victim to it because of our lack of corporate identity. You see, the intersectionalists are not wrong about the significance of corporate identity. Rather, they are wrong about the significance that they put on the particular identities they've selected. And they are wrong about certain identities altogether. For example, there is no such thing as a transgender person. If we would avoid being tangled up in the next idolatry coming down the pipeline, then we must recover what Christianity says about corporate identity. It will not be enough to reject this particular intersectional error by emphasizing the individual and individual rights. Praise God for the individual and individual rights. God makes individuals, and He also makes families. Christians must recover just how important last names are. They must also recover how important the name Christian is and the function of the sacraments as they mark out the people of God, making them visibly distinct from the world. In short, we must recover what it means that God deals with His covenant people and says to them, I will be y'all's God and y'all will be my people. Faux hope. No one can charge the intersectionalist with lacking vision. Their vision is terrible, of course, but having a vain hope is different than having no hope at all. Intersectionality pursues a future utopia in which, as Lenin imagined, the world will live as one. Given enough critiquing, the equality of opportunity will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Again, many good Christians have demonstrated the folly of this hope. It is a hope rooted in greed, and all of the privilege checking and public apologies will never be enough. But several evangelicals went for the false hope because they lacked biblical hope. These evangelicals saw no future for the Christian faith on earth. They did believe in Christ's return, but they failed to see Christ's reign on earth in the here and now. They did not conceive of Christ as in the process of striking down the nations and spreading peace. They missed the good news that Isaac Watts wrote about in that well-known Christian hymn. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Rejecting the intersectional lie is essential, but we must do more. We are in great need of developing Christian thought and practice that leaves no room for the lies that come about through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. So out with the world's rudiments and in with Christ's rudiments. And from those first principles of Christ will come the opposite of vain deceit. Fulsome truths. Fulsome truths that will leave no room for the seven demons coming more wicked than intersectionality. Before I go, I want to let you know that Rebecca Merkel's documentary, Eve in Exile, is streaming now on Canon Plus. Eve in Exile offers us a truly potent answer to feminism and does this by providing much more than a mere negative critique. This documentary provides an alternative vision, one that is biblical, stirring, and positive. Too many conservative Christians have assumed that a biblical worldview of femininity consists simply of being not feminist. But this is lazy, negative, and at the end of the day, just reactionary. 
In our day, feminism has come to its full fruition, such that we cannot even define what a woman is. Providing a true biblical alternative, this documentary defines what a woman is, the glory of man, and provides a glorious picture of what that woman is for. If you enjoy the content on this channel, you're going to love Eve in Exile. Just head to MyCanonPlus.com and subscribe to watch it now.